Hi, and welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray that as you listen, you will be both encouraged and challenged to step into what God has in store for you. Here's this week's message from Pastor Brenton. Yeah, God, thank you for such a wonderful day and all these wonderful people, God. And we just know that during, during these next moments that you have a, a plan. You, you want to move, you want to speak to us, so, so we just invite you to do that. And God, would you just, yeah, bless, bless the moms here today as, uh, yeah, they're pouring out and they're loving. Would you pour back into them and Holy Spirit, just bless them and encourage them today. And uh, yeah, we just pray, God, that, that uh, you go beyond my words today, and you'd speak to our hearts, you'd revive our hearts, you'd, you'd move in our hearts, and, and we, would, we would meet you this morning. That's what we want to do today. We want to meet you, and, and we want to better just align our lives with the lives that you have for us. Amen. Right on. Uh, have any of you ever made a dumb decision in your life before? By show of hands. 50%. Not bad. That's pretty, that's pretty good. I was trying to think of, you know, it's always nice when a, when a speaker, we often start off with a, a message it's in, or a story of our life. It's engaging and it's gripping and kind of puts you on like, a, you know, a level with everyone else. I just couldn't think of an example in my own life of a dumb decision I've made. I don't know. So there, I just, there wasn't a lot. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm trying not to look at the people I knew in high school. Um, it was more like there were thousands and thousands, and I didn't know which one to pick. So um, we, we've all made dumb decisions before. I've definitely made them uh, as well. And today we're going to talk about someone who made a really dumb uh, decision, and his name was, was Esau. And, uh, and uh, we're going to look at the Esau syndrome in our lives. We're, we're, ha- we're in a series right now talking about victorious uh, living, victorious life. That God has called us to live in victory. He's called us to walk this victorious life. And, and if we're to walk victorious life, we're going to have to um, not get caught by the Esau syndrome. So let's get into uh, Esau's life. Esau was the son of, of Isaac and Rebekah. And he, uh, he, was, he had a twin brother named uh, Jacob. And so Esau came out first out of the womb, and they called him uh, Esau because he was hairy. Esau means hairy, so they were like, hey, we'll call him Harry. Uh, and then uh, Jacob came out of the womb, and he was grabbing at his brother's heel, so they called him Jacob, one who grabs at the heel, which also meant deceiver. And moms, aren't you thankful you don't name your babies like that anymore, right? Just the where, however they come out, that's the name, all right. I guess it's easy, though. But some of you would have some funny names, I imagine. Um, so, so Esau was, was the older, older of the twins. Are there any twins in the house this morning? Any twins? Show of hands. Or mother of twins? You got some twins in the back. Is there a, is there a bragging rights thing? Are you the older twin? Oh. Did your brother ever hold that against you? Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? There's this, this bragging rights thing with twins. Well, my little younger brother, isn't he so cute? Um, but be thankful that you weren't born in the Old Testament because the older brother got the birthright. And, and what happened is at the end of a fa- uh, the father's life, he would split his inheritance. Let's say he had three sons. He'd split his inheritance in four ways, and that extra part was going to the oldest son. So he had definitely some bragging rights. Esau had bragging rights over Jacob. And, and so we're going to look uh, at, at, the, at the story this morning. 
um, of Esau and Jacob. Once, uh, when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came to the field, and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew, for I am exhausted. Therefore, his name was called Edom. Uh, they just changed their names to according to what they're, what they're feeling like. <laughs> Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. And Esau said, I- I'm about to die. What use is a birthright to me? And Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Uh, There's this thing called hangry, right? You get hangry, you get so hungry, you're angry. And Esau had a case of hungered. He was so hungry, he was stupid. And and, and in this moment, he sold his birthright for a a bowl of soup. And and I really think, uh, I want to draw some parallels today between us and Esau, because I, I think we can relate in a lot of ways in the fact that we have a birthright. And if you're a believer, if you're a Christian who, have get, who has given your life to God, in Christ, we have a birthright. Say that to your neighbor. We have a birthright. You have a birthright. You have an inheritance. And in Ephesians 1, the whole chapter is like outlining everything that's given to us in Christ. And it's amazing. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance to his good pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given to us, the one he loves. In him we have redemption through the blood, forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he's lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Woo! That's awesome. That's our birthright in Christ. We have that not because of our, 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 you know, our actions. We have it because of Christ. We've given our life to Christ, and that was a free gift that, 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 that Christ has given to us. But in the same way, just like Esau was, was deceived by his brother Jacob, we have a deceiver. The, the enemy, um, the devil is known, his name is a, a deceiver of the brethren, and he wants us to give up our birthright, our God-given destiny, God's plan and his good plan for our lives, give that up for a bowl of soup. And in the Bible, it warns us of this in Hebrews and it actually talks about Esau again. So Esau's bad decision is being brought up years and years later in Hebrews. And this is what the author of Hebrews said, see that no one is sexually immoral or godless like Esau who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterwards, as you know, he wanted to inherit the blessing, but he was rejected. Even though he sought the blessing with tears, he could not change what he had done. So it's linking this. It says, uh, it's, it's saying, make sure no one's sexually immoral. It's talking about following the desires of the flesh. It's talking about just living a life of, of following your flesh. And in the message ver- version of this uh, passage, it says this, watch out for the Esau syndrome. And that's, that's where I got that title of the message today. Watch out for the Esau syndrome, trading away God's lifelong gift in order to satisfy a short-term appetite. You well know how Esau later regretted that impulsive act and wanted God's blessing, but by then it was too late, tears or no tears. 
And for us, we're talking about living victoriously, and it's so important if, if we want to talk about that, if we want to talk about living victoriously, that we do not um, get infected with the Esau syndrome, and we watch out for the Esau syndrome. We watch out that, that, that we have a flesh inside of us, and we don't just want to live uh, according, you know, gratifying and, and having short-term pleasure following our flesh and giving up God's amazing plan that he has for our life, giving up our birthright for a bowl of soup. And, and if you look at the, the story of, of Esau, his desire for, for that immediate gratification was, was so unbelievably strong that he sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. Like, and it was lentil soup, not even zomaborscht. Like, at least hold out. Like, at least hold out for something with meat in it. Come on. No, but he sold it for lentil soup. I'm against lentil soup. I've had it. I had it for like a week straight, and since then, I'm, I don't touch the stuff. Um, but, but, but it seemed logical to him because he was dying. He was dying. Any mothers out there, that's your son, say that sometimes. I'm dying. Mom, I'm starving. I need food. To him, the flesh was, was so strong, that fleshly pull was so strong, he sold it for lentils, lentil soup, come on. And, and we, can, we can read the story of Esau, and it's easy kind of to laugh, right? It's easy to look at Esau and be like, wow, what an idiot. Whoa. Um, but in the same way, we have a fleshly pull inside of us, and, and, and we could be deceived, we have a fleshly pull, and, and, and sometimes we can be blinded by the lust of the flesh and, and that, that, that allure for immediate gratification where, where we can actually give up God's birthright. And so we have to watch out. We, just like Hebrews, it said in Hebrews, watch out for the Esau syndrome. And, and it says this in 1 Peter um, 5 verse 8, it says, stay alert, watch out for the great enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And sometimes, you know, we, we kind of talk about the enemy and we say, man, he's just a, he's just a little kitty cat. He, he, he can't do anything. And compared to God, the enemy is no match, right? God doesn't have any rival. There's no match between him and God. But, but if, we, if we let ourselves be led by our flesh, we are no match for the enemy. And what he's doing is he's an enemy that's prowling around looking to who he can devour. And sometimes I think we're not humble enough to watch out in our own lives that if I follow my flesh, I have the potential to do some terrible things. And we have to just humbly say, God, stick me to you. God, I need to follow you every day. Um, we're not immune to the Esau syndrome. You are not immune to the Esau syndrome. Uh, sometimes when I do marriage, marriage counseling, uh, I, I kind of say to them, and it, it feels even weird saying it, but I say to them, you know, if you let your flesh rule your life, if you let your flesh rule your marriage and you make a series of bad choices, you could commit adultery. Uh, and, and sometimes, you know, to them, they're just like, what? What, what do you mean? And, and I think if we're in a healthy place, we're not one decision away from, from committing adultery, right? But, but if, we, if we live a life of following the flesh, of making a series of, of bad decisions, and, and we harbor, you know, an emotional relationship in our heart that's, that, that's not supposed to be there, and we feed on, on what our flesh wants sometimes, that could happen. And you have it today where 50% of marriages end in divorce, and the number one reason of that is adultery. 
And, and we have to watch out, right? We have to watch out because we have an, we have an enemy, the, the devil, who prowls around and he looks to tempt us. He looks to give us the soup. When? When you're at your weakest. When you're hungry. When you've been out in the field all day and you're tired and you're dying for something. You're dying to fill that immediate uh, you know, need. That's what the enemy comes. That's when he brings temptation. You see it in Jesus when he was in the desert, right? Again, he was fasting for 40 days and he was hungry. So eat some food. I hope you're knowing that today. Don't, don't be so hungry that you're going to eat McDonald's. Um, <laughs> but no, Jesus was fasting in the desert. And this is when, when he was weak after 40 days of fasting, the enemy comes. And, and, and what does he say? Hey, Jesus turned these stones into bread. And the devil offers Jesus, it's kind of wild, that the devil offers Jesus kind of four, three things. The devil offers Jesus, hey, eat some food, you're hungry. Um, he offers Jesus uh, worship, you know, throw yourself off of this temple, the angels will save you and everyone will be in awe and worship you and know you're, you're the king, you're the Lord. And he offers him the world, takes him to a high place and says, hey, if you, if you bow down to me, all this is yours. Isn't it crazy that all of these three things, food, worship, and the world, are things that Jesus was going to get through God's God-given plan for him? Isn't that wild? Jesus was going to eat food. He was going to multiply more, you know, tons of food. And Jesus now, you know, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. And he's the King of kings, and he's the Lord of lords. These were all things that, that Jesus was going to get. They were going to be fulfilled but the devil was trying to get him to take a, a shortcut in an illegitimate way, in a way that was unholy. And that's often sometimes what sin is. It's meeting legitimate desires, but in the wrong way. It's, it's meeting legitimate desires inside of us in illegitimate ways that don't please God, that aren't pleasing in God's sight. And, and, it's, and it's taking those short-term fulfillments and giving up God's ultimate plan for our lives. Because we have a God who wants to meet our needs, right? We have a God who wants to meet our needs. And, and when, I was, when I was young and reading my Bible, I was always a little confused uh, at the first part of this, this story because, you know, the, the devil tells him, turn these stones into bread. And I'm kind of reading that and I'm like, you know, Jesus, Satan is bad, but this might be a good idea. <laughs> you know, like, that you're hungry, Jesus, and you're God. So you should just actually do this. Just listen to him this once. Don't do the other things, but do this. But, but it wasn't, Jesus was, was living his life. He was still fasting, and the Holy Spirit wasn't calling him to turn stones into bread. He was still in his fast. And he goes on to respond, man doesn't live by bread alone, but every word from the mouth of God. And so Jesus was living in a way where his needs and fulfillment was met inside of God's words and God's plan for his life. And he trusted God to meet his needs instead of taking his needs into his own hands and meeting them in his own way, right? And this is the same story of our lives. When we're ruled by our fleshly desires, often we're, we're meeting legitimate needs in ways that aren't pleasing to God, ways that don't align with the plans of God. And you look at sex, right? Sometimes, you know, in, in church, Sex is just a, a, a bad word. And, and someone came after me after the service and said, I never heard the S word said 
on stage before. <laughs> um, but God has a plan for sex. God, God created sex. God, God wants us to, to enjoy this, but he has a plan for that, to be enjoyed in a marriage covenant relationship, right? And this is, this is how God has, has planned sex, and it's amazing that studies are, are coming out that when you save sex for marriage and, and and um, sex inside of a marriage is the most fulfilling sex life that you can have. It's, it's wild. But God has a plan to meet those, those desires inside of us. But we can take shortcuts through pornography, through, through lust, through premarital sex. We can take shortcuts to, to actually needs that God wants to meet in a way that's holy and pleasing to him. And, and in all of this... We have a choice. What do we want leading our lives, right? At the end of the day, that's the thing. What do we want to lead our lives? Do we want God leading our lives? Or do we want to lead our lives? And it says this in Philippians. It talks about this. Philippians 3, 19 to 20. I'm going to start in 18 a little bit. Uh, Many live as enemies of the cross. Their destiny is destruction, and their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so it's saying, what's your, what's your God? Who is your God? Who's really calling the shots? Their God is their stomach. And they lived in a way where whatever, whatever they wanted, whatever was in their stomach, whatever was in their flesh, they said, I want that and that's good and I should get that. I should get that need met. And that's having, that's living as in your God, your, your stomach is your, is your God, but God wants to be God. God wants to call the shots in your life. And so Paul says, don't, don't think that way. Your, your citizenship is in heaven. Set your mind on things above. And so we have to look at our lives and, and, and look at the different scenarios and say, is my stomach God or is God God, right? In our money, that's something that can easily have a hold on us. Is God God? And if you don't have room to be generous, and you don't have room to tithe and give to God, then probably you're being led by, by your stomach. You're being led by, I just want this. I just want this. I'm, I'm going to rip this person off here. I'm going to cut this corner here. It, you, it's so easy to let your stomach ride that relationship. In your dating relationship, who calls the shots? Are you led by, by your stomach? Again, you know, wanting a, a spouse one day, that's a good desire, but you can take shortcuts. You can take things into your own hands, and, and you can just say, is there anyone out there? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for anyone. And here we see the example of Samson. He has a, he has a destiny. He's given supernatural strength. He's going to be a judge over Israel and help deliver Israel, and, and he gives it all away for Delilah, and he is just... Like, you read the story of Samson, and it's just like, dude, you are an idiot. Like, the first time he tells Delilah, oh, how do you lose your strength? Samson tells, you know, her a lie, and then she does that thing. And then another time, and then he, t- and then he tells her the real way that he loses his strength. Like, what do you think is going to happen, buddy? Like, the third time, oh, I'm going to stop now. I'm not actually going to cut his hair. no. And he throws it all away. He throws it all away because, because he's being led by his stomach. And we have to be careful in our dating relationships that we're not led by our stomach. Because we'll shortcut what God wants to do. We'll compromise. We'll, we'll, t- we'll take compromises and we'll find anyone 
And the thing that happens often then is you start dating out of a need to fill a hole that God's supposed to fill. And, and, and then two weeks later, you, you hold hands and you kiss and, and it's all happy and good and, and you're in love. In two weeks, I'm in love. I'm so in love. You, you love kissing. You love holding hands. You love this feeling of this need being met that, that, that you know you are, you are finding the satisfaction, but, but that's probably what you're in love with. Not, you don't know if you're in love with the person. You're just, your hormones are off the, emotions are off the charts and you're in love. And that's why I say, you know what, be slow when you're in a dating relationship. Don't, don't bring in physicality right away because it, it can just really blind you to like, what, is this person actually a good person that God wants for me? And we have to let God lead that whole part. God, God set things up. And we need to let God call the shots in our dating relationship. Amen? Amen. And, 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 and this goes to every part of our lives, in our behavior, in our everyday little choices. Sometimes we make little compromises. And, and, and it's because we're being led by our flesh instead of saying, God, what's honoring to you? What is honoring to you in this situation? We need to bring God a, a part of every little decision of our life and be led by him instead of our stomach. We must be, um, let God fulfill our desires through obedience uh, of his word and the, being led by the spirit. Not what feels right. Not taking it into our own hands and trying to fill our desires our way. And, and, and God, the beautiful thing is that God wants to lead you. God wants to lead you and guide you in life, and this is the cure for the Esau syndrome. It it's, talks about this in Romans 8, verses 5 to 9. Are you guys doing good? Okay, sweet. Wonderful. One guy's doing really good. <laughs> We're having fun, though. This is great. Um, so Paul says, and he says, those who are living according to their flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed, and that talks about control, who's in charge. Uh, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's laws, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh can't please God. You, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh. You're in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives inside of you. Tell your neighbor, you're in the realm of the spirit. If you're a Christian, the spirit of God lives inside of you, and you're in the realm of the spirit. And so what's Paul trying to say here? If you're a Christian, think like a Christian. Think like a Christian. Let God govern your thoughts. Let God lead your life. You can be a Christian led by the flesh, but, but you're, not, you're not meant to live that way anymore because the Holy Spirit is inside of you. And if you're a Christian, you've given your life to him. You've surrendered your life to him. And in Galatians, we see, it, we see it too. It says, so I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Isn't that awesome? Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. In NLT it says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what the sinful nature craves. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that awesome? And, and the Holy Spirit wants to guide your life. And, and that's where, that's a hard thing to do, honestly. It's a hard thing to let the Holy Spirit guide your life. And none of us are sitting here today and saying, 
this is a great message for a lot of people out there, but I'm, I'm letting the Holy Spirit guide my life, so I'll set this one out and pray that God brings conviction on all those who aren't. <laughs> that, that is no one here today, because we, we are all needing to surrender and be governed in, in, our, in our minds, in our thoughts by God more. Amen? In Greek mythology, there, there's this island called the Island of Sirens. And, and on this island, it's a little bit weird, so work with me, but there are these ladybirds, and uh, they're singing a song, and it's a beautiful song. It's such a beautiful song that when ships cross this island and travel across this island, they're so taken with the song that they turn the ships towards the island, and, and in front of the island there are sharp rocks, and they hit the rocks and they crash. And, and so... Time and time again, ships go across this island, they hear the song, they turn, and they crash in the rocks. So eventually word gets out that, hey, by the way, there's this island, and there's a song, and you're going to go towards the song, and you're going to crash, it's going to be bad. Uh, And so this one captain crosses, is going to cross the island, and he's saying, okay, we have to do something about this. And and what he does is he gets a bunch of wax, and he says, okay, crewmates, we're going to put some wax in our ears. We're going to put wax in our ears when we cross this island, and you are going to tie me to the mass of the ship. And even though I'm going to yell for you to untie me, don't do it. And so this is what they do. They put wax in their ears, and they're crossing the island. And sure enough, as they're crossing, the, the captain of the ship is, untie me, untie me, untie me, untie me. But they make it across to the other side. They make it to safety. And at the end of you know, all of that, they're miserable, and they're tired, but they survived. And sometimes this is, you know, for a long time in my life, this was my approach to to beating sin. Say no. Say no to the lust of the flesh. Say no to the lust of the flesh. No, 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 no. Resist, 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 resist. And it's good to resist temptation, but we need more than that. We need more than that. And so this was my life for so long, and I tried, and I tried, and I tried, and I was just stuck in in, in a pornography addiction, and and I couldn't do it. And, and, and it was so frustrating because I would follow, you know, the, the song to, to the island and I would shipwreck and that wouldn't give me what I'm really fulfilling. I'm trying to meet an immediate desire in my heart, but God wants to meet it in another way and it wasn't filling me up. But I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to not give in. Well, there was another captain who, who was about to cross the island of the sirens and he had a different approach. What he did is on the ship, he brought with him a world-renowned musician. And as he's crossing the island of Sirens, he says, hey, once, we're, once you hear the song playing, play another song. Play a more beautiful song. And, and this is what they did. So they, they got ready, they got the musician ready, they crossed the island of Sirens, and as they heard that, that song calling them, the musician played a more beautiful song, and they danced their way across to safety. Isn't that beautiful? This is our life, guys. This is what God is calling us to do. He's not just calling us to say, no, 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 no. Oh, I just want to give in. He's calling us to play a better song. He's calling us to play a more beautiful song. You know, some lines of Christianity have just rejected everything, every fleshly pleasure. They've just said, no, it's all bad. Sex, it's all, anything fleshly of pleasure, it's bad. But no, it's not that God is, you know, uh, someone in the sky who is a giant buzzkill and just saying, no soup for you, no soup for you, no soup for you. (laughs) Seinfeld reference. 
He's a, he's a God who has a better song for you. He's a God who wants to fulfill your needs. And he might not fulfill your immediate needs the way you think they should be fulfilled, but he wants to fulfill your ultimate desires. I love how C.S. Lewis puts it. It's so beautiful. It says, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We're half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an arrogant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he can't imagine what is meant by an offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. And in that moment, I bet he dropped his pen. Pen drop. But, but God wants to meet your needs. God wants to meet your needs. And again, maybe not in the way you think, maybe not in the way that your flesh thinks, but, but, but your ultimate desires, God wants to meet those. And I love the passage that says, delight in me and I will give you the desires of your heart. What's our job? To delight in God. Isn't that an awesome job? Just to lighten him, just worship him, just to set our affection on God and he's gonna give us the desires of our heart. And so many, we live our lives as Christians and we pray, God, give me the desires of my heart. 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 No, but God wants you to play the more beautiful song. God wants you to be led by the Holy Spirit. God wants you to delight in him and as you do that, what you think is, is your desires, God will actually be meeting your ultimate desires in that place. And the reality is some of us never experience that. Some of us never experience that because we want the blessing, we want the promises of God, but, but we're letting our mind be governed by the flesh. And it says in Romans, the mind governed by the flesh is death. The mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. We want life and peace but we're letting our, our, our flesh lead us. And the Bible says the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. And I remember there was a time in my life where I was kind of, I was kind of stuck between these two songs, the, 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 the song of the, the island of sirens and the more beautiful song. And, and I, I, all of a sudden I, I thought of something that was so genius. I was washing dishes at Smitty's, no joke, and I figured something out. I can do both. I could dance to this song, and I could dance to this song, and it's going to work. <laughs> and it did not work. <laughs> I, I was miserable, and, and I, you know, I, I, I didn't enjoy this song, and I was still letting my mind being governed by, by my flesh, and with God just kind of on the side, in, in, in the picture, instead of actually running my life. And so I was miserable. So I came to this point of realizing I had to give my life to God. But I had a question for him. I asked God... Why do I need to give you 100% of my life? Like I look at other, uh, other Christians out there and they're not giving 100% God. So why do I have to give 100% of my life to you? Can I give 80% and, and keep 20? That's a very good score on a math test. I'm happy with that score. So God, you should be happy with that. And in that moment, God actually led me to reading a verse on the wall that said, I am the resurrection and the life. And it became so clear to me in that moment, if I want to invest 20% of my life into death, I'm free to do that. But why wouldn't you want to invest 100% of your life in God? 
And so I did that. I, I surrendered my life to him. That doesn't mean I was perfect, but it meant I was shooting for God in my life. And, and when I fell short of that, I would repent and say, God, I, I want to follow your song. God, I want to follow your song. I want to dance to your song. I want to be governed by your song. And, and when you do that, you experience life and peace. You experience uh, actually getting your desires met in a way that's way greater th- than, than playing in mud. I invite the worship team to come up. The bottom, the bottom line is, do we, do we trust that that's true, right? Do we, do we trust that, that God wants us to live a full life, that the rules and the principles of God that he lays out for us are to live lives of fullness, that Jesus actually did come to give us life and life to the full? Do we trust that? And that's something that, you know, you you go back to the Garden of Eden, and this is what Satan was trying to trick Adam and Eve to do. You know, they were going to eat the, they they were tempted to eat the fruit, and and Satan is like, what did God say what would happen if you ate the fruit? Did you you know that he's holding out on you? Did did you know that actually you'll be like God if you eat the fruit? Actually, it's going to meet this desire inside of you? It's going to be what you're looking for. And he made them not trust God, not trust God's, in God's goodness. He made them believe that God was holding out on them. But that's not true. God is a good God. And he is a birthright for you. And he is a calling for you. And he is a destiny for you. And he has a more beautiful song for you. Amen? This is not about just don't follow the island of sirens, don't follow the flesh. Ah, 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 ah. No, there's a more beautiful song out there. And it's a song, and, and when you give yourself to dancing to that song and following that song, you will find the fulfillment your soul is looking for. I truly believe that, and I've truly experienced that. So we have an invitation. Which song are we going to listen to? Let's pray. God I, I, God, I thank you so much that, that you've given us so much. You've given us so much. You've given us a, us a birthright and a plan. And, and God, I, I just pray that if there's any area in our life we're being in, infected by the Esau syndrome, we're, we're letting our stomach lead us, God, that we would just let you be Lord of that place. And say, God, I, I don't want to live in compromise meeting my own needs. I want to live according to you. And I want to live where you can meet my needs the way you want to. Instead of taking life into my own hands. Instead of taking illegitimate shortcuts to get those needs met. God, I pray that you would help us to see that the island of sirens, it it may seem like a beautiful song. It never delivers. It never delivers. You never reach the island. You never reach... Um, anything good, you crash and you burn. But God, you have a more beautiful song for us. God, help us to hear that song. God, help us to dance to that song. Help us to be led by the Spirit. Help us to be governed by the Spirit. For us that are used to be governed by the flesh, God, help us. Give us grace. Give us the power through the Holy Spirit to follow your song and to live a life that's pleasing to you, to see that you have so much more for us than a bowl of soup. Yeah. And you know, the tragedy with Esau is, is at the end, you know, after he gave his birthright up for soup, 
he went back to his father and he cried. And he said, Dad, I, w- I want my birthright back. I-, I made a mistake. I want it back. And there was nothing. There was nothing for him. But then Jesus tells another story in the New Testament about a son who did the same thing. Gave away all of his and father's inheritance And he finds himself in this place of of losing it all. But he makes a decision to come back to God. And he gets it all back in a moment. And and I want to let you know that that, that, that's for you today. Because of who Jesus is and because of this new covenant in Christ. When you give yourself back to God, you can get it all back. You can, it can be all restored to you. God is, is not saying it's too late. God is not saying it's too late. And the word repentance sometimes is a, is a scary word, but it's an amazing word because it means it's not too late. There's still time to turn. And if that's you this morning, I'm going to get you to raise your hands in a second, but I just want to let you know this is not a little decision. This is, this is actually saying, God, I want you to run my life. I want to be ruled by you. I want, I want my mind to be governed by you instead of my own ways. So I don't want to sell that, that, that commitment short, but, but I believe that God has a better song and when we live our lives that way, we find what we're actually looking for. If that's you this morning, just raise your hand and say, I want to give up the soup and I want to follow God. I want to give my life to God. Yeah, thank you for your hands. Thank you for your hands. So beautiful. So awesome. Now, Holy Spirit, would you just move right now? Would you just move in our hearts? God, this is not a message for a selected few. This is not a message for some who have raised their hands. This is, this is a message for me. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you have a, a, an amazing song, an amazing inheritance that you've called me to. And when I give myself to that, whoo, it's awesome. Yeah, so Holy Spirit, may we dance to your song. And may we walk in victory. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the GMC podcast. For more info about what's going on this week, check out gmchurch.ca. Thanks for listening. Have a wonderful week.